the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. If we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery, with its row upon row of simple white markers, bearing crosses or stars of David, they add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. France Authority on AM 1420. The answer. Yes, indeed, it is the Bob France Authority, and hour number two is now underway at eight minutes past ten o'clock on this Wednesday, the 28th morning of the 11th month of the year of our Lord, 2018. We are in the middle of a border crisis. Understand it is nothing less than that. Here's Representative Liz Cheney. You see what's happening at the border. You see the extent to which you've got this caravan of people that, you know, the the Democrats would like people to believe that they're legitimate asylum seekers, but legitimate asylum seekers don't attack border guards. They don't throw rocks and bricks and projectiles and rush the border. Um, and so I think you've got a situation where uh, every every day on the news now we're seeing how crucially important it is that we make sure that we beef up security. Make no mistake about it. This is an invasion, and this is every bit of a border crisis. Joining us now is a man who is down there observing it and witnessing it firsthand. He now reports to us from the San Diego-Tijuana portion of the American-Mexican border, right near the San Ysidro port of entry, David Ray, joining us from the Federation for American Immigration Reform, online at fairus.org. David, good morning, sir. How are you? Good morning, Bob. How you doing, my friend? Uh, I'm doing just fine. I'm worried about you because I don't know exactly <laughs> what what's flying over that border, uh, the, 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 uh, you know, over the border from uh, Mexico into the United States. We know that Border Patrol agents are being attacked. I hope you're not a, a victim of collateral damage there, my friend. Uh, I, not yet, uh, but uh, Dave Ray does get himself in trouble at times, so uh, never, never, uh, never count me out. I'll tell you what's <laughs> going on here yes. after the uh, the the incursion the other day uh, where we had a group of about a thousand caravanners uh, violently attack and try to rip their way through the U.S.-Mexico border, uh, the border wall, and hurl deadly objects, including uh, pieces of concrete and bottles and rocks, uh, injuring 
several border patrol agents, they were repelled using tear gas, which is uh, was done hundreds of times during the Obama administration. Everyone seems to forget that. But what we have today as a result of that, it's been quiet since then. Uh, we have a very tense standoff situation. I think the caravanners are uh, in Tijuana in a state of, of utter, complete surprise. Uh, they did not expect this to meet this type of steely resolve from the president of the United States or from the U.S. Border Patrol, who have sworn to uh, uphold the sovereignty of the nation and to ensure that only those who are entering through legal ports of entry shall come into the United States. I think these folks are starting to reconsider whether or not they want to attempt this again. Now, some of the Border Patrol agents yesterday seem to think that there was going to be another attempt at a mass uh, incursion, perhaps with as many as 5,000 people this time. But I'll tell you, Bob, I've been to the border many times, and I have never seen such a presence of Border Patrol agents in my life. I mean, you couldn't swing a dead cat and not hit a Border Patrol agent around here. They are everywhere, and uh, they are on the border watching, and when anybody approaches the border, they are approaching the border on the on our side of it. And I think a lot of these caravans are, caravanners are starting to have a second thought about what they thought was going to be a walk in the park coming into the United States. Uh, David, we don't do political correctness on this show. You don't have to say caravanners. You can say invaders. You're in good company here. It's okay. <laughs> and that is exactly what they are. David, as far as the Border Patrol agents, can you tell me what they have said about all of this? And also, you mentioned you can't uh, you can't get too far without running into one because they're everywhere. Are they also being yeah. supported and supplemented by, by military as the president directed? He said he was sending troops to the yeah. border to support them. Yes, there is a huge presence of U.S. military here, both Army and Marines. They have been instrumental in fortifying the border and putting up a lot of the barbed wire that goes on top of the fencing so that it, it wouldn't be easily jumped over. Uh, they've been critical in backing up the Border Patrol, freeing up all available hands so that the Border Patrol can have all hands on deck. And let me tell you, anybody who has ever questioned the efficacy of a U.S. border wall, I was here 30 years ago before there was any structure on the border. It was an old chain link fence that stood between the United States and Mexico, and it was, you know, toppled over many years before I got there. And I was standing there with the commissioner of the Immigration Service, and there were dozens and dozens of people streaming into the United States. And I looked at the, the commissioner and I said, you know, God help us all if any of these folks are terrorists. Well, 30 years later, here we are. There is a border wall uh, from the Pacific Ocean all the way past the San Ysidro port of entry. Uh, it has uh, been fortified. And if it wasn't for that wall, there wouldn't be 10,000 uh, illegal immigrants in Tijuana, there would be 10,000 more illegal immigrants in the United States. That border wall that won't stop illegal immigration, you need other components as well, but it was critical in stopping uh, this invasion, and I do believe it was an invasion as well. And hopefully, it, it, I don't think people realize what's at stake here. You know, the this could very well, if these folks would actually penetrate the border and get into the United States, this could be the beginning of 
of a Mariel boat lift times 100. I mean, you know, we are not separate, unlike Cuba, where they had to jump in boats and go 90 miles to get to the United States, and 125,000 of them ended up in South Florida. There are 41 million people in Central America, and they can walk here. And a lot of them are very interested in what happens with this caravan. And if we don't staunch this uh, in its, this problem in its tracks, then we are going to have a huge mess on our hands, and people will be streaming into the country uh, incessantly. You know, th- this group, uh, every chance they had to do it right, they've screwed it up. They could have applied for a green card to come to the United States legally in their home countries. They didn't do that. Then when they left their home countries, they could have applied for refugee status to come to the United States as a refugee. They didn't do that. Then when they broke their way through Mexico, through the Mexican gate and entered Mexico, they were offered political asylum and a job from Mexico. They turned that down and all under, I believe, the assumption that they thought they were going to waltz right into the United States, get political asylum and disappear and much to their dismay, that's not how it's playing out right now. David Ray joining us from the Federation for American Immigration Reform. David, can you give us a way to visualize where you are and what your vantage point is uh, at the border? And and I'm asking because I, I want to know if you have a view from where you are of the caravanners themselves and if you can get an idea or maybe if you've talked to other folks down there during your research um, exactly what percentage or a ballpark of what percentage of the caravanners, the invaders, are actually women and children, which seem to be the only thing the media takes photographs of compared to the actual male population of that group. Right. Well, the sun just came up here in California. I am going to be at the border again later today. When I was there yesterday, Mm-hmm. seems to be the sense from the Border Patrol that about 75% of these folks are young men. There was also a story, I'm not positive that this is, you know, this was, was reported to me, but that uh, in the, the recent incursion that they actually took a bus of the women and children to the front before, to the front of the line before they started pushing into the United States just for the visual. I mean, these folks have been coached. They are told what to say if they're caught for political asylum. This is largely theatrics here, and that I wouldn't put it past them uh, to, to be using the women and children who comprise a small percentage. As I said, I, I, I think I mentioned earlier, about 75% of these are young men, many of whom are getting increasingly angry because, as they said in their own words, they want the job in the United States. They're coming here for work. They're not fleeing political they're not fleeing political persecution. If they were, they would have been. They were offered a safe haven in Mexico, uh, you know. And we also know that uh, if you arrive with a child in hand, then you're guaranteed to not be held in detention for more than 20 days. So I think the women and children have largely been used as pawns in this for the optics of it. But what we need to not only pawns, if I may, David, if I may, tell me if you can confirm any of this, too, from the agents you've talked to when you were there yesterday, actually at the border, the Border Patrol agents. Um, Right. Some of them have been quoted in interviews as saying that the males you're describing during the rock assault and the bottle and concrete assault on the agents when they rushed the border on Sunday, 
pushed women and children out in front of them, using them as almost human shields so that nobody, you know, so that the border agents couldn't fire anything lethal back at them. Obviously, they did use the tear gas to disperse the crowd, which is standard operating procedure even in American cities, by the way. When there's a violent mob, you disperse it with tear gas. It's done all the time. But um, you understand the point here. They're, They're actually not just using them as pawns. They're using them as human shields, David. What does that say about them? Well, Bob, you know, I heard the very same thing, and it, it's, uh, <laughs> it really saddens me. But children have been used as pawns. We know that children in Central America have been kidnapped and brought up here so that, so that some of these men can pose as fathers, and then they're not uh, held for more than 20 days and released into the United States. So, so you know, there's, there's a lot of victims in this, but if we don't, Stop this in its tracks. We will only be encouraging more of the same. And that's why it's important that these folks be turned around and sent home or that they remain in Mexico, because otherwise we'll be encouraging uh, more children to be kidnapped and brought to the border to be used as shields. And we'll be encouraging more illegal immigration from Central America, which is exactly the opposite of what we want to see happen here. David, a couple of policy questions for you now with respect to the border funding, um, border wall funding, rather. Uh, the president has said he wants $5 billion included in this spending bill, which is due December 7th. Otherwise, the government gets shut down. Chuck Schumer hinted yesterday, although some are saying he's walking it back, that they're stuck with the, you know, on the $1.5 billion figure, which would essentially do nothing. Uh, and, but he could be, maybe, persuaded to go to $5 billion in exchange for some extraordinary concessions, including 3 million illegal aliens given uh, 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 amnesty, including uh, uh, potentially uh, the uh, Mueller investigation being protected from being fired or being dismantled before it can come through with its final report, and also a, a couple of other things with respect to uh, HB1 visas or H1B visas. Do you right. think that there is any chance that we actually get this border funding by December 7th, the $5 billion the president wants, so we can get some actual work done there? Uh, because right. if we don't, David, we're never going to get it done. When Nancy Pelosi takes over at the beginning of January, yeah. that's it. There, There is no more chance. Yeah. If they don't have it done in the lame duck, the lame duck session ends at the end of December, then it's hard to imagine a better scenario than the one we have now. Um I don't know if it's going to be 1.5 or 5 billion. Any wall construction is better than none at all. They've been able to do quite a bit with very few resources. I know the company that is uh, planning on building the wall uh, is based in Texas. It is here in Southern California, and they are doing the repairs on the wall that currently exists. So, I, I, you know, in Washington, I can guarantee you there's going to be some horse trading going on. Uh, the Democrats are going to want something, and President Trump, Trump needs some Democratic votes to get this passed. And so they're going to want something, and uh, President Trump is going to have to offer it. He's already offered a DACA amnesty. Uh, Fair has not never supported a DACA amnesty, but it is probably going to be in the mix if we're going to get money for a wall. But let me assure you that that's money well spent. And if it hadn't been for the wall that existed today, we'd be... Uh, uh, the caravan would not be an issue in Tijuana, I can assure you of that. Uh, last thing, uh, David Ray, live from the border. David Ray with the Federation for American, American Immigration Reform. How many of your colleagues, by the way, are there with you? 
There are a total of five of us. We came out okay. on on uh, Monday, and we have uh, uh, some digital people who we actually did some Facebook Live stuff yesterday and some taping of Border Patrol agents and so on down on the border. We'll be releasing that on our website over the course of the day. But uh, we're going to head back down to the border this afternoon and try to get some more footage, and then we're heading home tomorrow. David, I know it's very early there, sunrise, as you said, but can you can you stick around for just a couple more minutes after we check our traffic? I actually have another uh, commitment that I have to jump on right now, okay. Bob. I, have, uh, I understand. Uh, in Birmingham, Alabama, for an interview, so I'm going to have to... To leave you I, I understand, I do, David. I do appreciate the offer. Keep up, keep up your good work down there. I look forward to seeing those videos and reports that you guys got uh, uh, on the website later today. We'll direct people there. It's fairus.org, fairus.org. David Ray, Federation for American Immigration Reform. Thank you, David. I'll check in with you when you get back, uh, back up uh, this way. Sounds great, Bob. You have a great day. Thank you, David. That's David Ray. All right, so let's catch up now on our own time here. We'll get to our traffic, and then we'll open up the phone lines instead. 216-901-0945, 888-281-1110, the Bob France Authority. All right, it's 1028 now. The Bob France Authority continues at AM 1420. The answer, thanks to David Ray for that uh, terrific live report uh, from the border. He is down there. They were literally talking to agents, shooting a lot of video yesterday uh, during the day. It is sunrise there now, so they were back at the hotel area. They will uh, be back at the border uh, shortly and uh, be reporting more and get, get putting more online. Their Facebook page, too, by the way. Look for them on Facebook. You, you heard him say they did some Facebook Live, all of which, of course, is recorded and will be posted again. Uh, so check them out on Facebook at FAIR, F-A-I-R, Federation for American Immigration Reform, and on their website. But thanks to Ken, or to uh, David, I should say, for a uh, terrific report. Let's go to the phones. <clears throat> say good morning to uh, Dan, who's in Middleburg Heights, wants to talk about this border situation. Hi, Dan. Go ahead. Good morning. I was watching Laura Ingram last night, and this mm-hmm. is very interesting. It's a huge problem if it's true, and I'd like you to follow up on it if you don't already know about it. What's that? Uh, with nonprofit organizations funding these um, you know, invaders coming up, they they link, there's 450 to $500 million they're going to Lutheran, Evangelical, and other Christian organizations for migrants to be housed out of taxpayer money. Now, to me, that shows another reason why Congress and these people aren't supporting our, or, or you know, just exercising our current laws to keep these people out. There's certain there's something going on here with our people in Washington and Congress. If you have taxpayer money to house migrants here in America when they get in here through through these organizations, it's sort of like those missions, like in San Diego, you know, the Our Lady of Angels missions that'll you know that'll house 150 people on a gym floor or something somewhere in a church. They're getting taxpayer money to fund that to feed these people. It's a problem. Um, I didn't watch Laura last night, Dan. Where did the ta- where are the tax dollars coming from? They're appropriated to Christian organizations that feel sorry for people sneaking into the country to house them. Yeah, but I, but I'm, I'm talking about I'm talking about the yeah I'm talking about the source of the money though. I mean, because if Congress, you're talking about the United States taxpayer, there's there's some bill that somewhere in these bills that they write is. You know, it's not just, you know, they. it's buried in another bill someplace. But they're getting 450 
million dollars throughout the United okay. States to house these people. Yeah, because I, I heard you say two things there, Dan, and thank you for the call. And one, you said, you know, some of these nonprofit organizations, these 501c3 nonprofits are, are funding this caravan. That's one thing, because those nonprofits, generally speaking, are funded privately. You know, they, they are, they have donations given to, uh, to them by, you know, members or of the church or if, or whatever the organization is. And they are also then tax exempt as 501c3 which means they don't have to pay taxes. But that's different than actually them getting tax dollars from the government that they are then funneling to fund this caravan and, as you said, to house all of these migrants when they come. I don't know about that part of the story. That's the reason I asked, because if there is congressional, if there are congressional appropriations being made to pay for those things, then we definitely do have an issue to discuss on our hands. Dan, thank you for bringing that to my attention. Uh, let's get news now. Come right back with more calls on AM 1420 The Answer. Good. Progressive Democrats, please be aware you have now entered the place where political correctness goes to die. This is the Bob France Authority on AM 1420 The Answer. Hey, no doubt about it, this is not the place to be if you are PC. Just uh, we call it the way it is around here, uh, no matter how many people get triggered. Uh, that's just the way that it is. Um, I was reminded by uh, my producer and uh, chaplain airman Samuel Lockhart uh, today about PPO. I haven't referenced the PPO lately, the hashtag PPO. That is the party of perpetual outrage. Uh, but they are in overdrive uh, over the tear gas situation, over the uh, border situation over the humanitarian crisis. We call it a border security crisis. They call it a humanitarian crisis just because that's what they do. That's all they can do. And this is just a fact. If we don't stop this invasion, we do not have a sovereign nation any longer. It will only encourage more caravans if these people are allowed into the country. It just can not happen. To that end, a little note here, by the way, uh, breaking news of sorts this morning anyway, not at this exact moment. But the uh, White House has indeed, the Trump administration has indeed filed its appeal uh, of the district judge in San Francisco who blocked the president's order uh, that any, the uh, proclamation that anybody who crosses that border illegally cannot make an asylum claim. If they want to make an asylum claim, they must wait in line in Mexico and come across through the port of entry only and make their asylum claims. They cannot just cross the border illegally. That's the president's new directive. And as you know, the president has plenary power to do exactly that. But the activist liberal judge in San Francisco uh, issued a stay on that order. The president just announced yesterday, or actually this morning, that they are indeed appealing to the Ninth Circuit. That's the sad thing. They have to go to the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals now uh, to get that heard. And once it's denied there, they'll appeal again, and it will work its way up to the Supreme Court. It will take far too long, but that's the way the whole thing works, right? I bring that up just so that we can talk again about the judges just so that we can talk again about what the president said about uh, the judges in the Ninth Circuit, about how they are just so one-sided Obama judges. Anytime anything is brought against the Trump administration, it's an automatic rubber stamp victory for that plaintiff. Uh, and he said something has to be done. He referenced Obama judges, and he referenced... Um, uh, he referenced uh, Trump judges, and he could have gone on and talked about Clinton-appointed judges and Bush-appointed judges, but the fact is we all know that liberal uh, judges active, uh, um, legislate from the bench, and they are activists on the bench. Conservative-minded judges 
are just going by the Constitution. That's why we always talk about constitutional originalists, right? So uh, John Roberts, Chief Justice John Roberts, of course, made that ridiculous statement at the end of the week last week, pointing uh, fingers at Trump and calling him out, saying, uh, how dare you? We are, there are no Obama judges or Trump judges. There are just judges who are all doing their, their best to, um, uh, to uphold the Constitution. He's wrong. Mark Thiessen wrote a great piece about this um, in a lot of different places that ran. He's syndicated, of course. Mark Thiessen uh, wrote a piece about this saying there are clearly Trump judges and there are Obama judges, and he gave a lot of exact uh, examples why. In fact, let me read just a couple of lines from Thiessen, uh, who wrote this for the Washington Post, but it appeared in, like I said, uh, dozens of places. For someone trying to demonstrate that the judiciary is not political, getting into a political fight with the president is sure a funny way to do it wrote Mark Thiessen. After President Trump called a judge who ruled against him on Obama, Judge Chief Justice John Roberts issued an extraordinary public rebuke of the president, declaring in statement, we do not have Obama judges or Trump judges, Bush judges or Clinton judges. Roberts was not only wrong to speak out, but his claim that there are no Obama judges or Trump judges was wrong. If we do not have Obama judges or Trump judges, then why did Senate Republicans block President Barack Obama's nomination of Merrick Garland to replace the late Justice Antonin Scalia in the final year of the Obama term? And why did Democrats filibuster Trump's nominee, Neil Gorsuch, to fill Scalia's seat? Even Robert's fellow justices know there's a difference. If there were no Obama judges or Trump judges, then why did Anthony Kennedy wait for Trump's election to announce his retirement? And why doesn't Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg just retire now and let Trump nominate her replacement? Because they both want a president who would appoint a successor that shares their judicial philosophy. And lo and behold, Trump appointed a former Kennedy clerk, Brett Kavanaugh, to succeed him. The American people know that Roberts is wrong. In the 2016 election, exit polls showed that 70% of the voters said Supreme Court appointments were either the most important or an important factor in deciding their vote. And polls showed that Republicans expanded their Senate majority in 2018 in large part because conservative voters were angered over the left's brutal campaign of character assassination against Kavanaugh. Roberts is correct when he says that we should not have Trump judges or Obama judges. It would be better for the country if every judge, regardless of which president nominated him or her, strictly interpreted our laws and the Constitution. But the reality is that not all do. While conservative presidents tend to nominate judges who exercise a philosophy of judicial restraint, following our laws as written, liberal presidents tend to nominate judicial activists who legislate from the bench and shape the law to reach their preferred outcomes. The left believes in a living constitution, which can be interpreted to mean whatever they want it to mean, without it being formally amended. That's part of what Mark Thiessen wrote for the Washington Post. Mark Thiessen, of course, is a fellow with the American Enterprise Institute, AEI. He's also a former speechwriter to President George W. Bush. Today, Cal Thomas came out with a seconding of what Mark Thiessen had to say. Chief Justice John Roberts has been drawn into President Trump's web. Last week, the president criticized the U.S. Court of Appeals for the Ninth Circuit based in San Francisco, calling it a lawless disgrace. The New York Times writes, Mr. Trump's remarks came uh, came after a federal judge ordered the administration to resume accepting asylum claims for migrants no matter where or how they entered the United States. The judge judge issuing the ruling was John S. Tiger of the U.S. Court in San Francisco, who Trump quickly singled out as an Obama judge. This prompted the rare pushback from Judge uh, Chief Justice rather John Roberts, who said in a statement what I read before, uh, that we don't have those judges, Obama judges and Trump judges. He said the independent judiciary is something we should all be thankful for. 
The problem, as uh, the president correctly sees it, writes Cal Thomas, that the judiciary, uh, in too many cases, appears to have become independent of the Constitution, making laws and reading liberal uh, policies into the document that are not there. If all judges thought the same, as Robert seemed to suggest, why are there so many five-to-four rulings uh, by the high court? Conservatives have long, long complained that liberal judges advance policies that would never get through Congress. Besides, if there was no Trump, Obama, Bush, or Clinton judges, then why the battle over every candidate nominated by a Republican president? Have we already forgotten the recent all-out war mounted by the left against Justice Brett Kavanaugh? I want to pause there and just say this. This is the most obvious thing. It's what I said immediately Monday morning. I want to know how it is that John Roberts cannot or can possibly make such a public statement after he just watched the newest member of his court, the high court, go through that character assassination all politicized by the left who fear a turn by the court to the right. And a turn to the right, by the way, just I feel like it always needs to be restated. It's not a turn toward judicial activism from the right. It just means a turn toward constitutionalism, toward originalism. That's it. That the, that the, doc, the, the um, um, Constitution is not a living document. It is set in stone, and you cannot change it to, to meet your political outcomes. And that's why they fought so hard. Of course there are different judges. Of course there are different ideologies and mindsets. Back to Cal Thomas. In a Thanksgiving Day tweet, the president claimed, quote, The Ninth Circuit has a horrible reputation. It is overturned more than any circuit in the country 79% of the time and is used to, and is used to get an, used to get an almost guaranteed result. Judges must not legislate security and safety at the border or anywhere else. They know nothing about it and are making our country unsafe. Our great law enforcement professionals must be allowed to do their job. If not, there will be only bedlam. Chaos, injury, and death. We want the Constitution as written. End quote. In fact, the Ninth Circuit's rulings are not the most overturned. According to data compiled by the U.S. Supreme Court blog, that particular distinction goes to the U.S. Court of Appeals for the Eighth, or the Sixth Circuit, rather, which is here in Ohio. But that last sentence is at the heart of a debate that has been going on since at least the 1960s and centers on what should what standard should be used to interpret the Constitution. Does the Constitution speak for itself, or does it say only what judges say it says? As the late Chief Justice Charles Evans Hughes contended a century ago, a century ago the president is on solid footing when he argues to preserve the prerogatives of his office. In 1950, the Supreme Court said the exclusion of aliens is a fundamental act of sovereignty inherent in the executive power. Congress increased that power in 1952. Legislation declaring the president may, by proclamation, and this is what I read to you almost on a daily basis, by proclamation, uh, and for such period as he shall deem necessary, suspend the entry of all aliens and any class of aliens as immigrants or non-immigrants whenever he thinks it would be detrimental to the interest of the United States. President Truman vetoed the measure, but Congress overrode him. It is the standard that ought to be employed today. This debate is more than a legal squabble between politicians and judges with different points of view. It is about the character and the makeup of our country, and whether or uh, whether we who are now living will bequeath on our descendants something resembling what our predecessors passed on to us. Most immigrants in the past wanted to learn English, embrace our culture, and become fully American. 
not hyphenated Americans with agendas and policies brought from their homelands. The back and forth between President Trump and Chief Justice Roberts has brought the real issue to the forefront again, where it is likely to remain through the next election, and depending on the outcome for elections after that, until it is resolved either to the benefit or to the detriment of this nation. That's Cal Thomas today, kind of uh, echoing but adding and going a little farther than or further than uh, Mark Thiessen did for the Washington Post. Both men are right, of course. And this is exactly what Daniel Horowitz told us on yesterday's broadcast when we talked about um, uh, uh, the judicial activism of these uh, unelected judges who transform America by bequeathing upon themselves or uh, to themselves more power than the Constitution gives them. Our Constitution, our representative republic, is built upon three separate and co-equal branches of government. One is not more powerful powerful than either of the other two. But the judiciary has declared itself to be more powerful, more knowledgeable than uh, either the executive branch or the legislative branch. The judicial branch has said, we don't care what the, what the Congress said in 1952. We don't care what the founding fathers said. We don't care what the current president says. What we feel is right is right. We're the ones who were given the authority. And the problem is, of course, that being unelected, they can do so uh, for as long as they wish. Those in positions of lifetime appointments can continue this for uh, forever. And that is, of course, to the, uh, as Cal Thomas just said, either to the benefit or the detriment, I think we know which one it is. It's to the detriment of the people in this country. All right, got a few more things I want to go over with you, and I do want to take a couple of phone calls, too. We'll get a quick time out now. We'll come back and do that on the other side. 216-901-0945, It's the Bob France Authority on AM 1420, The Answer. Sure. Black robes of tyranny. I just came up with that. In fact, uh, as we came back into the segment here, I was just uh, Facebooking, and follow me on Facebook at France Radio, F-R-A-N-T-Z Radio. I was just Facebooking uh, a link to the Cal Thomas story that I just shared with you. Um, And I was describing it, you know, unelected judges wearing their black robes of tyranny think that they are superior to both of the other two branches of government. And that is not how this country was built. It is not who governs this country. We do not, we are not, we are not ruled by overlords because they were appointed to lifetime positions without uh, any fear of, uh, of being voted out by the people. This is just madness that we give this much power to the judges. That's what stolen sovereignty is all about. Our sovereignty has been stolen by our own judges. And I don't know what it's going to take for the Congress to recognize that their power is being usurped. The president already recognizes his power is being usurped by the judges, and they need to get together together to do something. All of this, by the way, is why I have long supported, ever since I became aware of the organization that is pushing to make this happen, uh, an Article 5 convention of the states. It is time for us to get two-thirds of the states together and say we need to rewrite almost everything using the actual Constitution as our guide, because it is being torn apart. It is being shredded 
by uh, uh, judicial activists, among others. We need an Article 5 convention of the states to reclaim the republic that we were given by our founders. It, it, it matters. It's a really, really big deal. All right, uh, let me go to Jan in Cleveland. Jan, you are on AM 1420, The Answer. Thanks for weighing in. Go ahead. Okay. Uh, Mark Levin wrote a book called Men in Black some years ago. I haven't read it, but I think he was making the, the same point that you're making. He, he was. And, you're right. And uh, when John Roberts lost me is when he had an opportunity to make Obamacare <clears throat> unconstitutional when he decided it would be a tax. I mean, to me, uh, being taxed, at, you're, at, you're at the total mercy, and then some people were just paying... Unimagin- I can't imagine paying what they had to pay, and then uh, if they got sick, uh, unless unless they they got a uh, life-threatening disease, nothing was paid for because of uh, because the uh, deductibles were so high. I mean, well, you're, me, you're you're you're. I'm sorry. Finish. Go ahead. To me, to you. What? Well, well, that that that's about all I I have to say. But he had the opportunity to make that unconstitutional, and then that wouldn't. Uh, so that gave another six years for Big Pharma to get bigger, and, uh, you know, it's just, I am very disappointed. In well, Jen, you're, you're 100% right. Everything you're saying is right. Um, uh, first of all, I, I wouldn't phrase it to make it unconstitutional. It was unconstitutional the way it was written. All he had to do was recognize it as such. And the the worst part about what he did, which is why I am so profoundly, and I, by the way, when President Bush nominated him, I thought, what a great choice. I thought John Roberts was going Me to be perfect. Too. I really was very encouraged. And, and obviously, President Bush got played because uh, he didn't recognize what John Roberts was really going to be. But the point you're making, not only did he declare it a tax, he did so against the, the claim made by the, 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 uh, the, the Obama administration. The Obama administration, in this lawsuit and, and uh, uh, against them to, to stop it, said this is not a tax. When the, when the lawsuit was filed to stop Obamacare, it, they said this is a tax on the American people, and Obama went publicly on national TV and said this is not a tax. Not a tax. Therefore, right. therefore, it can be uh, implemented. John Roberts knew full well that once he recognized that, he was going to have to vote no and, 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 and turn this thing away. And he said, um, no, it is a tax. Even though the, the administration, the defendant in the case, doesn't realize it, it is a tax, and therefore that is what's necessary to make this constitutional. So, yeah, he, act, he legislated from the bench. He played the role of a liberal activist despite being appointed by George W. Bush and one who was thought to be an originalist. Well, if you can think of a way uh, how we could get rid of him, uh, John Roberts, uh, from the uh, removing him from the court, let me know. And well, I'll yeah. Paper. Well, you know, you know full well, Jan, because you're smart. There is no way he is. He is there, like Ruth Bader Ginsburg is, uh, for life, or until he decides he wants to step down. And being a younger man, which is why, again, it was kind of important right. to uh, when Bush appointed him, he's going to be there for a couple more decades at the very least, and he is not. Well, going I hope anywhere. he comes to his senses. <laughs> well, you know, in truth, in truth, I, I'll be honest with you, Jan. He has. In a number of cases, uh, there have been a lot of very important cases. If, for example, uh, the when the um, uh, Alliance Defending Freedom uh, defending Jack White, the, uh, uh, the the baker in Colorado, it's Jack White, no, Jack right. Phillips, Jack Phillips, Jack Phillips. Uh, you know, he voted with the majority there. He has, for the most part, done the right thing 
adhered to the Constitution in most cases, and in probably a really strong preponderance of the cases that we have gotten five to four decisions on. He's been on the right side. It's just that one was so massive and so earth-changing, right. considering the fact that, as you know, uh, you know, uh, health uh, healthcare in this country is about one-sixth of the American economy. So when he allowed Obama to change it so fundamentally the way he did by declaring that attacks, it was just much bigger than all the other decisions that he has made. Yeah, well, thanks for taking my call. Bye. Always a pleasure to take your call, Jan. Thank you. Uh, you you know, you're a hundred hundred percent right. I, I I would say, like I like I mentioned, it's not like he's Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Don't get me wrong. He's not you know uh, uh, Elena Kagan or or uh, or uh, Sonia Sotomayor or anybody of that ilk. He is indeed still much more of an originalist than not, but not clearly one, not directly one. And obviously, his refusal in this particular case, see, this is the thing. We haven't talked about Roberts in a negative tone, really, for a few years, because Obamacare became the law. We ripped him for it, and then we just had to accept it, and now we're begging Congress to change it, right? To, to repeal it, to repeal and replace, if you will. And, but since then, we haven't said anything about John Roberts, because he has voted, for the most part, with the majority on the correct side of things. Um, but now here he is publicly making himself a player in this conversation with respect to immigration and, and, and ripping the president for correctly ripping the Ninth Circuit um, when the Ninth Circuit blatantly ignored the last Supreme Court majority decision on this, which was written by Roberts himself. Roberts, instead of defending himself and, and, and the president, against the decision made by the ninth, actually back the ninth. And that's what makes it so radical. And that's why, like I said, I'm talking about the black robes of tyranny, because that's how they are being used by far too many of these judges. Okay, that's all the time I've got. I wish I had more, but I don't. Uh, thanks again to my guests, Ryan Morrow. Thanks to uh, my friend uh, David Ray from FAIR. And thanks to you for listening. Also, thanks to the crew, including Chaplain Airman Samuel Lockhart and my friend Josh Booth. We'll see you tomorrow on the Bob France Authority. Enjoy the silence. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.